Hey Gritty friends, so excited to have you here. Welcome back to episode three. I reached out on Facebook to see what you all really wanted to hear me talk about to get a census so that I'm making sure that my topics are relevant to what you want to hear. The number one pick was fear of failure slash fear of success. At some point in our lives, the majority of us have had a fear of failure. You might have switched jobs, you didn't reach a goal, you compared yourself to someone else that might have been doing a job for you know, 10, 20 years, right? At some point, I know I've done it and compared myself to others. And I can even think of one that just happened last week and I had to fix it, get it out of my head. I needed to rewrite the script on it. I recognized what I was feeling and was like, this is absurd. I need to stop it. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went. And I think there was something about my ego. Then I shared it with a group of girlfriends about how I was feeling and just said, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened. I had to like really get it out of my head and this is how I felt. And they'd all had the same experiences too, just in a similar way, but not necessarily exact, but in a similar way. So these ladies are all, just so you know, coaches all have coaches and they are all seasoned coaches. So if you're a new leader, maybe you questioned what your team thought of you. Maybe that if you were doing the right training with them. We're really going to dig in and get gritty over this topic. I want to chat with you about the definition and exercises you can do to work on letting this fear go. If you are currently having this feeling and you want to make big changes for yourself, but are avoiding doing them for fear of failure, you are in the right place. If you can move past this fear, the explosion in your business, your personal life, your relationships will be so rewarding. It's time to cut the fear cord, buckle up, and it's time to get gritty. Just a quick note, if you have a friend or coworker who has said or seems to show signs of fear of failure, send her the link to this episode. She just might resonate with it and help her overcome her fear at the end. And if you resonate with this episode, please go to Apple Podcast and take a quick minute to write a review. There are so many women out there who might need to hear this and Writing that review will let them know and get that message out more. And it's also just another way um, that I know that I'm resonating with my audience. So I really, really appreciate it. So together, we can be helping more women leave behind this fear, waving ta-ta. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Welcome to The Gritty Coach. If you're feeling overwhelmed, unfocused, or even stuck in your business, don't worry. I completely know where you're coming from and I've been there before, but now you want to get some clarity, a plan, and you're ready to take your business to the next level, then you are in the right place. My name's Erica and I'm The Gritty Coach. Just a little about me, I'm a veteran, a wife, a boy mom, a twin mom, and a fur mom. And after 20 years in the Navy and my unique life experiences, I am here to help you smooth and polish your business practices through what I like to call gritty love. So if you think you're tough enough, sit back, buckle up, and let's get gritty. Okay, it's time to get gritty. I'm so excited to actually dive into this with you. So let's just talk about this for a second. Have you ever compared your achievements to someone else at work or a colleague? 
What about starting a new job and feeling like you weren't actually smart enough to do it because all these people have been there for like 10 years and they've been doing this job and they're way up there and you're starting down at the bottom and you're like, I don't know anything, but HR is going to get me onboarded, right? Did you ever decide not to go live on social media because you were afraid of what others were going to think? Now, I've heard that one a lot. And the big difference is, is that going live can be scary, but nothing is permanent. I mean, outside of like doing things that you wouldn't want to be seen on the front page of the news, you can go and delete that video. Even if they saw it live, there's only a handful that are going to have seen that. And that's part of this whole fear of failure is realizing exactly what those consequences are or those fears are or what those cons are that really have you wrapped around the axle on it and really am, am working towards trying to overcome those. And that's what we're gonna talk about. So the biggest difference, let's say, between fear of failure and fear of success. There's a significant difference in these. Fear of failure is what you think about yourself. It is what you think others are going to think about you, but it's all about you. And fear of success is actually what you think others are going to think about you. So the next episode, we will definitely be talking about fear of success. It was just so big, we had to break it up into two different series. I thought it was worthy of you know, making it a two-part series and really dedicating just this time to fear of failure. And then we'll get to fear of success in the next episode. So extreme forms of fear of fail. So extreme forms of fear of failure actually have a medical term. I didn't know this, but I was researching a few things and I, <laughs> I wanted to see if there was a word for it. There is. It's called a tickophobia. A tickophobia. Yeah, there you go. It's such a difficult word to pronounce other than the phobia part. I actually had to look it up. And sure enough, there's a YouTube video on actually how to pronounce that. So it's called atikiphobia. Now I get that fear of failure too. I am not immune to having that. I have done it multiple times in my life. I, at this point in my life, I feel that I have been, that I'm much better able to handle, that I'm able to handle, not much better able, that was horrible, but I am able to handle these situations much easier because I can recognize them, right? I've been working on them for a very long time and I recognize them. Sometimes I don't do them right away. Sometimes it happens afterwards. And then I will dive into why I felt that way and I sort of talk to myself and say, mm, self, why are you doing this? And I work on rewriting the script. So I wanted to tell you a short story. And I talked about it a little bit in episode one. And this one is when I was 19, 18, 19, and I had promised that I was going to go to medical school. Uh, you know, for the longest time, all I wanted to be was a veterinarian. And then I changed because they weren't making enough money at that time. I totally know that to be different these days. And, <laughs> um, and then I became, I wanted to become a doctor. So I always knew that I wanted to be in healthcare. I I loved helping people, but I had a fear and the fear was letting my dad down. So part of that fear is I committed self-sabotage. I did not even apply for med school. I had good grades. 
I had, I was part of the student council at the college, at the community, at the junior college I was at. I think when community college was called a junior college. Significantly, I don't know what that difference is other than we had dorms, but it was a junior college nonetheless. And I didn't even apply. I like sabotaged the whole thing. And what did I do? I joined the Navy. That's like a really weird way of, you know, turning, turning that around. But that's what happened. So I completely sabotaged myself. That was before I even went into the service. Now in the service, um, I hit a whole new level. And this must have happened, this particular story must have happened later on. I think I was pretty close to retirement. So I, I probably had about a year left in service. And what I was doing is I was working with the reserves and I was running the medical department there. We had about 1,500 reservists. And what we did was we made sure that reservists were medically ready to deploy and then made sure they got their treatment on the way back. That also included ensuring that they, if they injured themselves on active duty, we were going to make sure that they were still getting care after they got home. Now, during that time frame, back then, we're talking like seven, eight years ago, during that time frame, making sure that our soldiers were getting seen on their way back was a really big deal because things weren't always, they were falling through the crack. We'll just say that. And with reservists, it was much easier for it to fall through the crack because they weren't there all the time. Once you get home, you're going back to your regular job. And then we only get to see you once a month and, you know, if that, and then also your two weeks. So it was really important that we had a very consecutive and concise management of care. Now, because it was so, it was watched very closely and that we were actually being monitored on what we were doing, we actually had to report all of these details up. At some point, there was a congressional task force that was issued. This congressional task force was like the granddaddy of all granddaddy of all granddaddy presentations. The highest one I have ever had to do. So congressional definitely implies that there's people from Congress there. Um, and this was not necessarily con like congressional leaders. It was leaders that sat on the committee and <clears throat> it was leaders that sat on the committee and then they issued out this task force. And this task force was designed to make sure that we were doing what we were supposed to and then they report back to Congress and then they decide whether they need to make changes or not based on what they're finding out. And I don't know if they went and talked to anybody else. What I do know is they came and talked to me. And that point, that culmination of my career was such a huge deal. And I had the biggest fear of failure. Why? Because it was a vice admiral which is a three-star admiral, which is the second highest admiral you can have in the Navy. There was a general from the Air Force and a general from the Army, uh, general from the Air Force and a general from the Army. And then there was also civilians that worked as well on this task force. So it was probably a table of like seven or eight people. And they were all there to hear how my medical department was helping all of these reservists as they came home to continue to receive care from the active duty side because they were injured while they were on orders. So we had to continue that care. That presentation, I'm, I'm telling you, I probably could have thrown up four times before it even happened. I didn't know what I was gonna say. I knew I, but I knew everything. And that was the hard part is I was second guessing myself. I actually knew all of this stuff. I've been doing it for 20 years. 
Of course I knew what I was doing. I knew all of it. But I was having all these second guesses that I was going to mess something up, that I was going to let down my staff, that I was going to make my CO look like an idiot, that my CMC would once again call me an ass clown because that's happened once before. And, and I really didn't want to embarrass anyone, right? I wanted to make sure my staff got credit for all the hard work they had been doing. And if I messed that up, then like we would look silly, stupid and then could get even even more trouble that we're not doing our job. Now, of course, I will tell you, there's no way anybody that was above me would allow me to speak to these people if they did not have the full faith that I could actually do this. They had more faith than I did though at that moment. So what did I do? I had to prepare. I had to sit with my staff, go over every single case, I had to make sure that I knew them inside and out and I had to explore every single thing. Did that mean we exposed, you know, my staff worked really, really hard every single day and did things sometimes slip through the crack? Yes, they're human, they're human, it happens. But we had to get in and get to them and make sure that there wasn't a systematic error, right? If the system was letting them down and not functioning properly, that was gonna be the stuff that that task force wanted to know like submission process lasting longer than 90 days, right? Like you submit it and then it takes 90 days to get something back. That's a really long time for somebody to wait to get some sort of notification that they could go and try and get care. 90 days, they probably need something much sooner than that depending on what the ailment is. So I really had to dive into it. I needed to know every single one. I also had to create this presentation now the presentation was reviewed by everybody, really. Everybody above me had to review it. And of course, they're gonna make sure that I'm not saying anything silly. And then after that, I just needed to practice. I had to practice a lot, a lot. And even then, I was still nervous. Now nerves can be misconstrued with anxiety a lot of the times because it comes from the same bubbly stomach feeling that we get. Um, the difference is, is that all sort of settles down once I got started speaking, right? And the more you practice and the more I'm comfortable with all the information, the easier that's going to get and that those nerves are going to calm down. Now, I always, always, always have a fear of public speaking, have for the longest time. I do a lot of it, so I get out of my comfort zone and I do it and I sign up for it as many times as I can. I will go and do as much public speaking as I can in hopes that one day that fear will just go away. Um, it hasn't yet, but that's okay. Uh, I still try and I will continue to practice that. That is how I stay in that growth mindset and I continue to grow and learn what I'm capable of. And sometimes I'm gonna say something silly and I just have to learn to laugh at myself. And sometimes I'm the only one laughing. <laughs> I make jokes up to myself all the time and other people don't get it, but that happens. So back to my story before my squirrels get off track. Um, so back to the presentation, I practiced, practiced, practiced. But when I got up there, I still was nervous. I had no idea what questions they were going to ask because of course they can stop and ask questions. And I will tell you this thing went for three hours. And as the questions came, of course, I can rely upon my staff at that point to help me answer those questions. And it wasn't expected that I could answer every nitty gritty detail right in that moment, but be able to give the general overview, which was also why my staff were in the room with us. 
Not only was it the hardest presentation I have ever given, it was the most rewarding. I tell you, the most rewarding. As hard as it was to give that presentation, those people are still people. They don't put their pants on both legs, both legs at a time. They don't do backflips and jump into their pants. They put them on one leg at a time like the rest of us. Now, if some of you guys are special and have great talents, I'd like to know about them, especially if you can do a backflip and get into your pants with both feet. Otherwise, we're just gonna assume everybody does it the same way, one leg at a time. Even knowing that though, that they're still people, it still makes it hard. These people are from Washington. Here I am out in San Diego and feels like lowly San Diego, but it's California, you know, so California all on its own. But they come out from Washington, they're from Congress. It's got the word congressional in it. Already it makes me nervous. So I immediately had fear of failure that I couldn't do it. I wasn't smart enough. I was gonna make everybody look silly, that they were gonna figure out I didn't know what I was doing. My practicing and talking to people and making sure that I rehearsed and knew what I was doing cleared up probably 85 to 90% of my fear of failure. The other 10% happened when I started speaking. And when I started speaking, I started to settle in. It takes me about two to three minutes. And once I start speaking, then things start to kind of calm down. And then that's when those bubbles in the stomach start to go away. That vice admiral was incredibly nice, gave me a coin, a challenge coin, super cool to have a challenge coin from a three-star admiral and I kept it and it's in my shadow box from when I retired. I have a series of all these favorite coins and that happens to be one of them that is in my shadow box. I will forever be so proud of that coin. <laughs> I earned it. Trust me. I definitely earned it. So now my last story is like one that happens after I got out of the service. So the reason I'm trying to give you three stories is in three different areas of my life. One being young, and sort of coming out of high school and call it a little bit of college and then one in the military where it was a really big deal and then this one that i'm going to tell you um was the one that i had spoken about earlier which just happened last week so like i said before coaches all have coaches we have to keep learning i can only bring the best form of myself if i continue to learn i continue to grow i continue to read and having a coach helps me continue and we happen to be on my coach's coaching call and the first thing she does and i absolutely love this first thing she does is always talk about wins sometimes we just don't give ourselves enough credit for the wins that we do have and i love the fact that even if you just got up that day and took a shower that was a win because sometimes that's just all you can do. But this particular day we were talking about wins and they were all huge, huge wins for everybody. And I thought what mine, what mine were were noteworthy, but what these women were talking about was way off the charts. And I immediately got this just sinking feeling of I'm not good enough. I'm like, why am I even on here? I can't, I can't compete with these women. Oh yeah, that's right, I'm not supposed to. So immediately, well, I wouldn't even say immediately. I wallowed in the rest of that hour call, hour and a half, actually. I wallowed into it. I didn't even pay attention. I have no idea what was covered, but I can tell you that my emotions were completely down. And I, I just, at that point, I couldn't focus on anything. It stopped everything, stopped my ability to move forward. So having that fear stops what you're trying to get done. So that's why it's so important to move past it. So this particular time, and like I said, I don't always get it right in the moment. 
and recognize it and able to stop it. But as soon as I got off, I knew exactly what happened. I was like, this is absurd. Ego, why are you having a problem with this? You need to stop. Come on, Erica, pull yourself out. What are you doing? You know better. This is, these, these women have been doing this for like 20 years. They're all amazing. And yours is, you know, within under 10 years, under five years, whatever. Like the difference between these is huge, right? My program's under five. Theirs is over five. There's a huge difference between those. Now I've been coaching for 20 years, but I did it in the military in a different realm and, and not as a business. So my, my experience goes way back, but the business side of things is way different. I was comparing myself to all those women and what their wins were when I've had my own wins other weeks that other women didn't. I, it, uh, sometimes it's just so ra- irrational that you're just, you just can't understand why your brain gets there, but then you just have to work on trying to make sure that it doesn't go there again. And recognizing it and retraining my thoughts, that was the only way to really kind of move past it. Like it, it ruined most of my morning. Now, after that, the next day, I actually spoke to my girlfriends about it that were on the same call. And I was like, I just have to let you guys know what happened yesterday. I don't know if you noticed this, but like, I didn't pay attention at all. After the first 15 minutes, I was out. I peace out, I was done. I wasn't paying attention. Like there was nothing I there was nothing that could be said that I even wanted to hear because I couldn't get out of my headspace. And I told them what happened. Now they have all been seasoned coaches for many years, and a lot of them wait past me as well. And they've all had it. I'm not alone. And sometimes knowing I'm not alone and that it's okay that it happens and how you get out of it is really what we're talking about today. That that's half the battle. Sometimes you just have to recognize it recognize it and then go, okay, I know my brain is switching things around on me and I know I need to fix this. So what do I need to do? And that's what we're going to talk about next. So fear of failure manifests in several ways. One, what other people think. You're worried about what other people will think about you. Two, you're worried or you have a fear of the ability to pursue your purpose. Like if you decided to go after something that you're really, really passionate about, you have a fear of what other people might even think about you there. So you have a fear of like actually going to pursue it because you don't want to be, you don't want to fail at it. Three, disappointing people whom you value. Just like mine, I just, I didn't want to disappoint my dad. So what did I do? Self-sabotage, big sign over me. Self-sabotage, didn't go to med school. Without my experience, I will tell you this, but without that experience of going in the military, I wouldn't be right here. For sure, I would not be here giving a podcast. Things would have been very different in my life had I gone to medical school. And I love my life. So I am I am beyond thankful that a way that it happened, but I know there was something that happened there, clearly sabotaged myself that I didn't even apply. I didn't even try. Number four is you are have a fear of how smart you are. And that was sort of referencing my military time when, you know, I feared that I was not going to be like, people are going to recognize I'm not smart. I'm not as smart as they think I am. Like, I'm going to start talking and I'm going to sound like a, a fumbling idiot. And, and I've done that before, but <laughs> which makes that worse because I know that it was there and I've done it and I didn't want to do it again. And I definitely didn't want to do it in front of this huge task force. But again, we're going to fix that. Number five is setting negative expectations before it happens. So that's, again, we'll go back to where I sabotaged 
my ability to go to medical school by not even applying. So I set the negative expectation that I was going to fail and I was going to let him down and I didn't want to let him down. So my way to not let him down is just to not do it. Ha! Number six is last minute physical ailments. And I'm pretty sure I talked about that. I probably could have vomited three times from, from needing to do that congressional task force presentation. I didn't. Thank goodness. That would have been bad. But there are people that have such a huge fear of failure that they will literally get sick and then it will stop them from preparing and they won't be able to complete it. And number seven is you get distracted by non-urgent tasks. I'll tell you that I probably still have that happen, but I don't know that it's necessarily from a fear of failure. I have a whole lot of ur non-urgent tasks that pop into my head and then my squirrels decide that I need to focus on those <laughs> instead of doing what I should be doing, which is on my list. And I have to really my ADHD gets the better of me and I really have to focus on my checklist. And if I skip my checklist for any length of time, I, I'm not doing well. I will, I will literally not accomplish anything because I will be in seven different places and I will get nothing accomplished. That is a discussion for another day. We will talk about that. Distracted by non-urgent tasks. And then number eight, my all-time favorite, procrastination. I cannot stand procrastination. It causes me to be reactive and I cannot stand that. As, an, as a person, as an adult with ADHD, I cannot stand procrastination because although I work well under pressure, um, I do not like the feeling I get with it. So I'm very much a proactive person, which is why I do checklists, which is why I study, which is why I, I rehearse which is why I go over everything, right? That's all part of how I deal with my ADHD. But procrastination, boy, that'll, that, oh, that one will kill me any day of the week because it throws off everything. Again, that's a whole nother discussion in non-urgent tasks that we could talk about. So there's eight things that I just gave you on ways that, you know, fear of failure manifests itself. Now, there are so many books out there that you can actually use to try and get over the fear of failure. There's online resources, there's, there's tons, but I'm assuming that if you're here listening to this, one, you either really like the way that I sound and you're waiting for me to screw things up, two, you want me to crack jokes at myself, or three, you actually want more help because reading it on your own hasn't worked. So I'm gonna go over some of those and I've, I've really narrowed down ones that I have used, the ones that I find to be useful, and I'm hoping that one of these will be one that you will, you will resonate with. So the first one is gonna be Franklin Covey. Most people all know him for his seven habits of highly effective people. And it talks about in there, it talks about circles. Um, and it talks about the inner circle of influence and then the circle of concern. Now your inner circle of influence, and I, I love it. Oh man, what was that movie? I won't think of it right now because I'm actually talking. Meet the parents. Ha ha ha, I did it. When he says, you're not in my inner circle. Okay, so inner circle is your circle of influence. These are things you can control. You can control how you feel. You can't control the weather. <laughs> so that is in your circle of concern, not in your circle of influence. So if it were me, I can control how I feel, but I cannot control earthquakes. There we go, California earthquakes. I cannot control that. So if I'm sitting around worried about earthquakes all day, I'm just gonna like, I'm not gonna get anything done and life is gonna pass me by and all I'm going to have to show for it is that I had a fear of earthquakes all the time. Now, 
Do earthquakes scare me? Heck yeah, but I don't worry about them all the time. They are out there. I know they're out there, but I don't give them the time of the day. So I focus in on my my inner circle of concern, like the area I can influence, not area of concern, my inner circle that I can influence. That was backwards. So that influence area is that's where you want to focus. Things that you have control over, things that you can influence, things that you can think about for yourself. So Franklin Covey has just a really, that is a great way to do things. Now it's hard to use that in the moment. You can try to stop yourself and go, okay, is that a circle of concern or is that a circle of influence? Can I control that or can't I? Is that an earthquake or is that how I'm feeling, right? So if you, when you practice, everything takes practice, okay? We're gonna go to habits. Habits take practice. And in order to make it a habit, it has to be consistent, right? Hear it all the time. This is no different. And if you don't stay consistent, it's like every time is starting over. So consistency is key. Like, and even if it's not in the moment, going back and recognizing what happened is still part of that consistency. It's still part of establishing that habit. Don't give up just because you didn't recognize it in the moment. Just like I didn't recognize my ego in the moment of having this, you know, instant jealousy over these other women and, and how I'm not going to be successful. You know, I, I didn't recognize it in the moment. I let it ruin an hour and a half of my time. I'm pretty sure I let it ruin more than that until I got it done. <laughs> Again, it doesn't mean I, I didn't succeed at that. It just means that it took me a little bit longer. And so I'm still consistent with it. Now, number two, this is the one I also like, which is practice, time to prepare. This is the anti-procrastination. It is the proactive versus the reactive. And I, you know, and it, and it pushes the non-urgent tasks. And I can tell you like several fears that this sort of pushes off to the side. The one thing that I can tell you is that practice, practice, practice is so incredibly helpful, whether it's to yourself or doing it in front of somebody that you trust, but having that security that you've practiced what you're going to say, practice any, you know, weird pauses. I get those all the time. It's only going to help you feel more comfortable and then you're not going to feel so awkward and it's not going to feel like you can't do it practicing and knowing your material. Like if you have to do a speech, speech classes were great and they were invented for a very, very noble cause, I'm sure, which was to get me in front of people and actually be able to talk without sounding weird and awkward. But one of those things about it, I took a facilitator class when I was in the military and I had to become a facilitator, which means I had to be able to talk for 30 minutes without really knowing much about a topic. And that was coming back to asking people questions and kind of getting people to help you answer questions that you may not necessarily have the answers and having them drive the conversation between other people. And you're sort of facilitating in the background, right? It's the difference between instructing versus facilitating. Off topic, when I did that, I always had to practice though, but diving into the material and researching it and feeling more comfortable definitely gets helps you get practiced and rehearsed and you feel more comfortable and confident and delivering the material. There's number two, practice, practice, practice. Again, that's consistency too. You know, just like if you're doing training for your team, practice that, practice that. Know what you're gonna talk about. If you need to do some research, do some research. So number three is rewrite the script. Rewrite the script involves being able to take sort of like what happened to me last week as I couldn't see it in the moment, but taking it out later and recognizing that, you know, I had this big issue and rewriting it and going, no, 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 these women have all been in business for 20 years. I've been in business for five. No, I can't think that way. So that's rewriting the script. 
Again, it's another one that you have to be consistent with. It is a practice. It is not in the moment. It is not easy, as easy to do in the moment. If the more you practice that and the more consistent you are trying to work on recognizing, it'll be easier for you to actually rewrite the script in the moment. Number four, I did this one too. Talk to a trusted friend about how you're feeling. I did that with the coaches and I talked to them and said, oh, I can't believe this happened to me last week. You know, yesterday at the time it was, yes, it was the day before. I can't believe this happened, blah, blah, blah. And I talked about it and realized that those women had all been through the same thing. They'd all done it. So I wasn't alone. And just like when I was in the military, I talked to my boss and made sure that he was okay with what I was doing and made sure that I told him how I was feeling. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. He's like, you can totally do this. Just get up there and do it. You don't have a choice. No, I just kidding. I had it. I didn't know I didn't have a choice, but he would have forced me out if I was not going to do it right. So either way, it wasn't a choice, but it, it wasn't a choice, but I would have been fired maybe. <laughs> again, cracking myself up here. It was again, talking it out getting the information back to me saying, no, 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 either I've had this happen to me before or no, you actually have this covered, you're ready to go. You can do this. So number five, I mentioned in the beginning about a tachyphobia. That is the extreme form of fear of failure. So when you have tried, say all these exercises or you've tried to read books and you've tried to help yourself and you've tried to rewrite the script, et cetera, and you find that this is really hindering everything you're doing. This is very extreme. You're not like, there's no progress. You're trying to be consistent, but you still have this fear. I am not a therapist, not claiming to be one. I can't even say that I slept at a Holiday Inn Express and became a therapist. So what I am gonna tell you in all seriousness is to actually go seek help. Seeking help from a professional, there's nothing wrong with it. Don't let anybody tell you differently. And if somebody even says anything, tell them to reach out to me. I got your back and I'll be sure to give them a 20 grit, gonna hurt you worse than it's gonna hurt me, 411 on getting help. <sighs> I really feel like I need like a primal scream here. That was pretty serious. But I recognize truly and sympathize having this fear. To really see the biggest change, sometimes we have to start small. I feel that if you have multiple areas in the fear of failure, try to work on one. Whether that's practice, whether that's rewrite the script, pick one of those exercises and try it. If you find that you actually procrastinate and you like to compare yourself to others, let's try not to procrastinate. Work on that one. That might be the easier of the two. Maybe not, but it might be. My hope is that you learn to recognize it when it happens, that you're able to stop it before it truly impacts both. Well, it's already impacted, otherwise you wouldn't be here, but hopefully that you can get to the point where it doesn't impact your life. There we go. We'll say that. Maybe not right in the moment. I've had to deal with my ego first and I couldn't even begin to rewrite the script. So let's see, I've, I've done this. I had to like put my ego in check and go, no, 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 stop it. You're, you're not, you're not doing well. You need to stop thinking that way. And we're going to rewrite that script. The most important thing was that event. I did recognize it. And as soon as I did, I was able to call myself out on it and I made the change. That's the most important thing, right? So here's what I want you to do is try an exercise. Try one of them. Let me know how it goes. If you haven't had a chance to join my Facebook group, come in and join the Gritty Coach on Facebook, um, the community, and I would love 
to hear if you've had any success with these exercises, if something's worked for you, even if you've already done the work and you're just sort of listening, you know, and you find that one of these are, has been like the best thing ever for you, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, please come and tell me. I would love to know about it. If you are still struggling and it's not to the point where you feel like you need to actually seek professional help, but if you're still struggling and you want to help get the script together, like how to rewrite the script or create what's in your circle of influence, connect with me, send me an email. Let's get on a call. I have all my links below in the episode notes. So please, please reach out. If you feel inclined, maybe you might share your fear of failure in my Facebook community. Others might feel this too. Again, sharing and hearing you aren't alone is one of the exercises. It is a no judgment zone. And don't forget to make sure that you follow me so that you won't miss out on any of the future episodes that are coming, which includes next week, part two of this series, which is going to be covering fear of success. And we will discover that it actually is really close to feel fear of failure. If I can say it right, fear of failure. We will discover that and talk about how it's actually different and the steps coaching tips that you can take in order to be able to overcome that. So until next week, stay gritty. Hey friend, before you go, I would love to read your takeaways from this episode. I would be so blessed and grateful if you had a few moments to share your thoughts in a review. So just hop on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll below the episodes and click on the purple write a review this episode inspired you today to make a change, share it on your Instagram or your Facebook stories and tag me at The Gritty Coach. I would love to tag you back in my stories. Just remember to never give up. You never fail, but you just learned a way how not to do something. So try again. I believe in you. And until we meet again, keep up the grit.